Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Be sincere and have a confession. I know you picked the best Sunday, didn't you? I have a confession that I need to say. I have an addiction that I need help with. And this addiction started years ago with me getting on an airplane and traveling. Now, it wasn't any old airplane. See, my mom worked for an airline, I'm not going to say who, and she gave me these flight benefits, and I was like, okay, these are awesome because I can get really dirt cheap plane tickets to go to crazy places. Like, I flew to Alaska really cheap and back. But it started up something within me that caused a lot of laughter in my household. You see, I always got stuck in airports. I'd sit there around forever, and this addiction just populated in my mind where I would just sit back and I would watch people. I know, you're like, really? We thought this was going to be something crazy, like you were into drugs or something. No. That I was drinking alcohol? No. No, this is a sincere problem because what I've learned to do is I sit back and I watch and I examine people. And it's an interesting thing because I've seen parents come through and you can watch them. They're just dreading it because they got their kid on a leash and they're just dragging them. And it looks like you've seen that dog that doesn't want to walk and you're just pulling along. You've seen those in airports. Or better yet, I've seen families that are all over the place with, with just disheveledness and then... There are the few and far between that seems like that are in the the airports where they're just pros and they just kind of go through the motions or, or, or the really, really rare ones. That there's something about them that's different. Something about them that's completely different than everybody else that you could watch because you're looking at them, you're studying them, you're going... What is it about these people that makes a difference? They're kind to everybody. That when they see somebody having an issue, that they're willing to help. What is it about them that they would go through and see somebody struggling because they didn't bring enough cash to buy their coffee, that they would throw the extra cash onto it and just buy the coffee? What is it about people that, that just seems so crazy? And as I was watching these people, I'm just, I found myself doing a self-evaluation. You ever do that sometimes? You look at somebody and just weigh yourself up against them and going, what is it that makes them better than me? Sometimes that can take you down the bad rabbit hole where you get that insecurity kicking in. I'm not talking about the insecurity examination. I get enough of that looking at the internet, watching all these people's fancy houses and going, I wish I had that house. Watching these people drive these fancy cars and going, that would be nice, but so far I have not been given that ability to get that. Better yet, looking at them and saying, what makes them so much better, or or I shouldn't say better, so much more unique than most? And that's where I kind of want to look at this morning. As we get ready to get into the series called The Giving Church, I know most of you are like, okay, 
I saw this. I don't want to be here. I know what they're going to say. I know what's going to be addressed. And for you, I'm going to tell you, go ahead and take your wallet out of your pocket. Go ahead. Get your credit card out. And whoever's got the last four digits of this credit card number, you're going to win a lottery. No. No. See, the struggle that we have is the second that we hear give, we ultimately and immediately react that I'm going to lose my money. That's all you want me for. That's all I'm here for. And that's the furthest from the truth. It's the firmest from the truth. Yeah, we know that there are people in the church that give more than others. We know that there's people that do more in the church than others. But I want to encourage you as we get ready to dig through the series. And yes, I know next week is 4th of July. And yes, I'm still going to talk about this a little bit in a slightly tweaked version. But there's something about the heart that needs to be checked within each and every person who says, I want to serve God. Because we did not get saved on the cross through Jesus dying on it and his blood shedding from him and being the ultimate sacrifice and that he was raised from the dead to stay the same. Like I said, I study people way too much. I kind of examine people a lot and I'm like, okay, how can I best help people? Me and my wife were working in the nursing homes for years and doing the different health stuff. And we learned what people do and how people manipulate situations and all these different things. And honestly, we've learned to read people. And it's a good thing. I'll be honest. It's a good thing. It's good to be wise and steward of every resource we have. And that includes time. But it's something far different that we have to really check because the world does the same thing. So how does that apply to each and every one of us? Well, there's various forms and avenues of giving. And the one thing I want to make sure you're aware of is that God's heart is different than ours. I'm just going to just preface it that really quickly. And if it's different than ours, I think it's time for us to take a self-evaluation of what he's asking for each and every one of us. We're going to put this up on the scripture, but if you have your Bible this morning, I just want to look at Matthew chapter 5, and then we're going to go from 38 to, 30, or 38 to 42, and we're going to put it up, but I'm going to give you a minute too. And those online, I know, you can pull your Bibles out too, and we're thankful for you. I, I will be honest, we have multiple avenues for people to connect with this church. In person, on Facebook, on YouTube, and then two days later, it goes out in the form where we take the sermon part of this whole service, put it up onto a podcast for people that are over the road so they can listen to the sermons so that we hope that it edifies their lives as they get some spiritual truths in them. They may not be able to do it because of the life circumstances they are in, but we pray and ask that God blesses them through the messages in those avenues. But that being said, if you have your Bibles this morning, let us go ahead and read. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, And if you know anything about the red letters in the Bible, the red words, that means Jesus spoke it. So that means they're a little bit more important sometimes. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. Okay. 
Matthew chapter th- 5, verses 38 through 32. You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if he slaps you on your right cheek, give him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, give him the cloak as well. For if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this place, Lord. I thank you for the people that are here and all those that are watching, whether it's current, Lord, right here, right now, or if it's in a future time. But God, I ask that you let the words of this mouth of this preacher, Lord, be the edification that needs to be in this body. But better yet, let it be something that will encourage us, each and every one of us, to examine ourselves differently and ask God, what is it that the standard that we need to make a change to to get us to where we are reaching for you even greater? Lord, I ask you to touch each and every person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. I know this scripture does not seem like one that you would expect for a giving church. Most of us, you were like, okay, he's going to say, the tithe is the most important thing. You need to make sure you give 10% of everything you have. I'm going to tell you that's true. The Bible does require a tithe because that is God's command because that's how he uses us to be a vessel and a beacon for his ministry to go forth so that his word could go forth in all of the world and be the thing that can change lives. The offering is on top of that. It's an extra thing where you say, my heart wants to give you more, so God, I give you more. And then the other part that you would expect me to do is to say, if you want to get free from life, you got to give, like some televangelist preachers. Can I just say I'm not a televangelistic preacher? You've been around here long enough. You know I'm a different kind of preacher. I try to tell you how it is and how it's applicable in your life and how it can modify, you, or modif- or modify your thinking and allow you to be greater in God's blessings. I add, I add comedy and humor. And all the different things in between. Because why? Because what I've learned is if I hear somebody just yelling at me, it doesn't help. That's one of the giftings that God has given me to be a blessing into the church and into the lives of those around you. But that also means that something has to be taken away from the scripture that we go into. And as we're looking at chapter 5, we know that that's the, the Sermon on the Mount topics that are going through. One of the best sermons in the whole entire galaxy that could have ever been preached. And I wish I would have done it. But I'm thankful that God gets all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the words that he says. Because it has an application that can get us to understand his heart. Which is why we are all here. Looking at the text, we know that Jesus is looking at the people who are downtrodden, weak, trying to figure out which way to go, which way is left, which way is up, which way is right, and trying to figure out, what do I do next? Something similar to all of us sometimes. Told you this morning, I, I, I thought this morning was nighttime and I should go back to bed. Probably because the Lord woke me up so early and said, it's time to get up, get ready, start reading some more, start seeking my face some more and get going. And I'm like, God, sometimes it's nice to just sleep in. But one thing that I've always held on to is that when those moments happen, they're treasures. 
just like the ability to come into the, the house of the Lord and to fellowship with each and every one of you, to interact with each and every one of you, hear the stories, hear what God is doing, doing all the wonderful things that God has set forth for you today. It's a blessing in those aspects. And we can't take it lightly. But as Jesus was alluding to in the scripture, he was alluding to something that was in us that is fleshly driven that we struggle with. I mean, he starts off when he says, you have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Means that whatever you do to me, I'm going to stick it right back to you and it's going to come back 20 times harder. You punch me in the mouth, I'm knocking all of them teeth. Come on. But he's like, no. You don't realize there's a heart disconnection because of what we've had for so long is this religiosity that has been kicking through each and every one of the lives thinking that I have to retaliate and do exactly what I expect. Because that's what God's word says. Because there's a hardness in each and every one of our lives that God is trying to waken up within each and every day. I was talking to a young gentleman this morning as he was asking for a little bit of assistance. And one of the things that I realized is, is that his heart was hardened. And as I looked at him, I said, I'll help you with whatever method I can. But one thing I want to pray is pray with you that God would soften something within you so that you would hear the positive truth of what God wants to do. And that's the softening that needs to happen because what Jesus is trying to get at as he's telling this inside of his Sermon on the Mount is saying you might have heard that it is right to get what you deserve. You may think that it's right to retaliate for what is good. But let me tell you what Jesus is trying to say is it's not what my heart wants to do within your life. I want to do something different. I want to do something miraculous within you so that people would start saying what is so uniquely different like the people in the airport that I love to watch. And in it, he says, if people want to come and attack you, your reaction might be to go and throw down. But I don't want you to. You might have to turn the other cheek and let them smack you on the other side and just say, you know what, I understand that you're hurting. I understand that there's other issues and emotional states that you don't even calculate in your own self. But I recognize it as an issue. And I'm going to love you through it. Better yet, they try to take everything you have and as Jesus says, what is it worth? What is it worth to always cause a strife between one another that you would hold it off and just try to say, no, you can only have so much? But how much more is it when, when we look at the one mile, the two mile? If you've been in the church for long enough, you probably heard the story where, where the Romans had this one thing where they decreed that if they, whatever the soldier asked you to do, that one mile, that's all you had to walk and carry their luggage to give them a reprieve because they were the fighting force, the ones that protected everybody. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go further. But something that the Lord has been wrecking my heart at is this sermon's not about man to man. 
It's about man to God. What do you mean, pastor? I mean, it's not about just dealing with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Sometimes God's going to cause and, 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 and come in and allow things to happen. Sometimes God's going to come in and rip the rug out from underneath you, so to speak, and everything is going to be a mess. But it's in our retaliational aspect of what we do within that that defines who we are as a church. I've had it done where my feet just felt like I couldn't catch it. I looked like a Looney Tunes cartoon with the feet going in a wheel, trying to chase just to keep standing upright, and all I do is fall flat on my face sometimes. But I've realized that it's in those moments that God is trying to do something within us to awaken us or to empower us to be able to be stronger than we ever were. I hold on to the scripture where Isaiah says, though I might fall, the righteous right hand will raise me back up again sometimes. But it's in those messages and those lessons that God's trying to teach us that can empower us to be even greater than we once were. But it all has to come within the heart. It all has to come. And when God comes at you and says, okay, you're going to go through this season. It's going to be fun. But trust me, nonetheless, and you're like, God, I don't know if I could do this. And he says, no, trust me. I don't want you to react. And our ultimate flesh always wants to react. And what I found is that God is trying to tell us through his word when Jesus is preaching this. It's not always about laying down. But it's about trust. Trust. Those words mean a lot. Trust. Because it means that there's something greater beyond you. Me and my wife, we have a trusting relationship. I'm married to her, she's married to me, she puts up with me, I put up with her. It's a trust. Same goes through all those that are married in this place. We're not perfect. We're not going to make each other perfect, but we're going to walk each other through the journey. See, God is perfect. And he knows you're not perfect, but yet he still chooses to walk you through the journey to show you love and favor. And sometimes the things that he asks hurt. And sometimes what he asks seems absurd. Can I tell you, there are some times that I, I, I laugh at what God has brought me through. One time, God told me, go to your checkbook, write a check for $450, and give it to the church for this certain purpose and for this certain mission trip. Let me tell you, I'm not telling you this is what you have to do. What I'm telling you is sometimes it's better to be obedient than ask for forgiveness. So I was like, okay, God, I got $475. I got to write a $450 check. I got rent due in about a week. Okay. And I, and I felt the struggle that kicked in. And I felt the indifference kick in. Because I'm like, God, I could use this $450 to do what I need it to do. Because I still got all this other stuff going on. I mean, have you ever felt that... that, that, that that issue within your own flesh that's causing you to just have that complete like panic mode at the same time of anxiety on top of, oh no, what is me? Woe is me? All this other stuff. And then at the same time, you're like, who said this to me? 
I'm like, if my wife comes at me and tells me, honey, I need you to write a check, and I'm always asking her, honey, I'll write you the check, but what is it for? And then she tells me what it is, and I was like, okay. But there are some times that God tells you to write a check, and it's not always for understanding of what it's for. So anyway, long story short, because I don't want to stay on this topic very long, because I've got a whole lot more sermon to preach. This dummy pastor of yours wrote the check, took it to the church, told them what God told me it was for, and they looked at me and said, you don't realize that's been a prayer request that's been meaning to be met, and we just didn't know what to do. We were struggling to figure it out, and I said, okay, well, it's paid. Done. And I, they looked at me and said, are you okay? I said, no, I'm about ready to pass out in a panic because I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. told you, I'm hot. I'm open and transparent. You get what you get. Don't throw a fit. But I, I just remember the church secretary at the church, she's like, okay, breathe. Why are you giving this check? Do you really need this check? I said, I need it, but, but, but God said to do it. She says, are you sure it was God? Yes, I'm sure it was God. Thanks for the past, but no, I know. And I was like, okay, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he says, I asked you to just to give a part of yourself. I ask that you just give a part of who you are or what you desire and what's in your heart and you struggled with it. He says, you don't realize I gave my son for every single bit of who you are because I loved you greater than you'd ever understand and I'm trying to teach you a lesson and this lesson is if I loved you that much, what makes you think that it's not going to all work out together for the good of those who love and are called after and according to my purpose? Let me tell you, when God gives you that kind of check, you just got to sit back and relax and just trust him a little bit greater. You want me to tell you the, the highlight of the story? I had the devil show up at my house the next day. You're like, who's the devil? It was the IRS. Thanks, Brother Mike. I had it show up at my house in the form of an envelope, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, Lord, last time I got one of these, they wanted to audit me. And I opened it up, and I looked at it, and I said, that's a check for $450. And I said, God, are you really kidding me? What are you doing? What is it, this lesson that you're trying to teach me? Because the devil just came and gave me the money that I know I had to send out back because I did the math 20 times before I sent the tax return in. And they said, in your error, we found that we owe you $450, and here's a little bit of interest. And I was like, Lord, you are so good. God, you are so mighty. God, you're working on something within my heart that shows something even greater that I need to work through. And it was in those moments that started catapulting something within me even greater. Because what I'm trying to get at, church, is it's not about the money in your bank account. And no, I'm not asking you to give me your credit card number so I can do an automatic draft on your tithe and your offerings every month. What I'm trying to get at is there's got to be a heart check within each and every one of us that's going to say, I trust you. And that trust is in the form of generosity. And generosity is not always money. Let me preface it that all the more. It's not about your money. 
If the money is what you worship, it might be about the money. But if you're worshiping your time, if you're worshiping your work, if you're worshiping something else, it might be just that, that God is asking that you give some generosity back for. Because the word generosity is one that we don't like. Because what it's trying to get to and allude to is the fact that it's a, a disposing of property or by voluntary transfer without receiving anything in value. Can I just say something real quick? God is the ultimate giver we'd ever see. He gave Jesus to come down on this earth to live and breathe among us for 33 years, to watch and go, oh my God, what are they doing like I did in the airports, and say, oh, the audacity about how they live their lives. He is the word of God. He is God. He is all power and omnipresent and omnis om uh, omnificent in all aspects, and yet he decided to put on all flesh and watch us. And he just sat back until he hit 30 years old, and then he started preaching, and he says, you don't realize. I've been watching you. I've been seeing what's going on, and here's what I needed you to understand. Your heart's not right. There's a comedian named John Christ, funny guy, but he's got a, a hashtag quote that says, check your heart. And I love it because it's awesome. Because it really reminds me that there are some things in my life that I have to take a moment and step back and really ask, what would Jesus do as the bracelet I wore as a teenager always said? What would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus act in this situation? How can I honor God in all that I am? You see, what I'm trying to get at, church, is that generosity or giving or the giving church is one that has their heart and minds always set on Christ. One that says that if he gave it all, what can I hold back to him? See, generosity has never been meant to have a limit on it. Let that sink in for a second. Generosity was never meant to have a limit on it. Do you think God limits what he gives you? Sometimes he does, I'll be honest. But it's not a limit about when he's gonna, how much he's going to give it to you, but when he's going to give it to you. It's like one of these things that, that we put our focus on. Another addiction I have, Apple products. Don't ask me why. They work great. They last forever. And I have an addiction to buy a new iPhone every year. They're very generous with making sure they come out with a new one every single year. Every August, I know. Well, they're going to release a new iPhone. What the new feature is this? Honey, are you ready to get a new iPhone? Okay, let's get a new iPhone. Pass it down to the kids. They're generous with it so much so, but they have an intention that we don't realize. Their intention is to make as much money from you as possible, which is why your iPhone costs an astronomical, I think the last time was $1,499. Yeah, I know. It breaks my heart when I think about that, Brother Steve. I really need to break this addiction of mine. But in all reality, their intentions are to make so much money. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV and you'll watch how many advertisements kicking on. You need to buy this Super Beats product because it'll make you feel better. But it is because we want to make your money and put it in our pockets and make it go all the way that it needs to go. 
Oh, you need to buy, what is it? Uh, the toys that the kids want. This super micro match I can figure will go as fast as all the, I don't even know, micro machines guy. You ever remember that in the 1980s and 90s? This guy that would speak so fast you couldn't understand a word, but he was selling these little hotbow cars that were all the competitors. I told my youth group one about that one time. They said, what the heck is a micro machine? I said, oh, you don't know it. And I said, nope, they only know Hot Wheels. I don't know. I don't need to digress down that way. Okay. But anyway, the whole point is that the world has got this mentality of they don't care what they can give you. They want to know what you give them. And we look at God sometimes like that. We look at the church just like that. They're only here for this or for that. They're only here for the money. No, we're not here for the money. If you ever want to know how much the pastor makes in a church, I can tell you it's not very much. It's enough to live off of, and that's about it. It's not one that's going to make me rich if anything ever happens. And I do that because I love you. And I tell you this all the time. If I could do this for free, I would. You're like, okay, what is that supposed to mean? What I'm trying to say is, there has been a time in my life where my heart got checked so much, so radically by God, that something in me says that, God, whatever you ask, I give. Whatever you command, I do. Whatever you seek that I need to do, I will do. And that's why when we came into this church, one of the most powerful things about this church is we open the doors for people to come in and do some awesome things. We host AA groups in the church. They don't pay us what we actually would need to actually pay the, the utilities to do it. But we open the doors so that they can meet, so that they can find some hope within their lives. We open up the food bank because we know that we need to meet the need of somebody's lives. We don't do it because they pay us. Let me tell you, we pay people to do it. We pay money, the church itself does, to provide the need to go and buy some of the produce on top of the grants that we receive to be able to be a beacon and a light because that's what God has commanded this church to do. The clothing that's in the church that's here, it's phenomenal. The fact that we were able to get diapers is phenomenal. But best part about it is it's because we don't have an agenda behind it. The only thing that we honestly want to do is just to love God and love people and all that we are so that that way that those people that we love can learn to love God just the same. And that's the generosity that the church was meant to have. You see, what I am really ultimately getting at is that we have to have a heart. That is after God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 tells us, Each one must give as he has decided within his heart, not reluctant or, without, or under compulsion. But God loves a cheerful giver. That means if something's holding you back to doing what God has asked you to do, you need to check it. Not because the preacher tells you you have to give them out. Not because of anything like that. If God himself is speaking to you in your heart, through the word, or whatever avenue that is there, you need to check your heart if you're, you're like holding it back. Because what God is really trying to say is, I don't care about your money. I don't care about what you have. I ultimately care about what's in here. And what's in here needs to be the light and the beacon to the world that it's never seen before. Because I truly believe that the greatest is yet to come. We look at the world today, and we see darkness. You're like, what? No, 
in all reality, we see a lot of issues going on. We see abortions up to nine months, almost to birth. We see people trying to change their genders to where I don't even know what to call people anymore. Better yet, we live in a time where the church is losing its significance. Why? Because the church has grown callous within their hearts. And I have been feeling this for a while. That's when I looked at Sister Mitchell and I said, i got to preach on this message. And she says, yes, please. Because there's got to be something of an awakening within the church where we check our hearts and say, God, what is it that's holding me back from being fully all in in submission to you? Is it my anxiety? Is it my fear? Is it my dread? Is it my doubts and my discernments that I'm struggling with? Or is it just something that the enemy would rather chain me up back from so I can't get to the altars and worship you with all sincerity? See, we are called to be a people after his own heart like David. We're called to be people that are chosen in a royal priesthood. Yes, it might look peculiar to the world, but we're called to be mighty men and women of faith who are wholeheartedly surrendered to him with everything we have that we hold nothing back. That includes worship. That includes our bank accounts. That includes our time. That includes everything. But we struggle because our heart's not always inclined to his. You ever seen a glass of milk that's half full? You ever seen that? If you've got kids, you've seen it way too many times. In my household, we have many cups. And in many cups, there's half water. If it was not so, I would not have told you so. But here's the truth. We have a lot of half full Christians. Half full believers because they've not fully submitted to him. How can God use you? If you're only willing to stay half full, how can God use you if you're only willing to be what you want to be? Let me tell you, I, this pastor did not want to be a pastor. You've heard me say it. I ran from it. I said, God, you got the wrong guy. I don't mean to speak. I hate public speaking. I can't. I, I got to stutter. And I, and I try to use the Moses excuse. But God says, no, I've called you forth. I just want you full surrendered. Well, let me tell you, the IRS thing was a nice thing that shows God's icing on the cake for me. But it's a journey that we all have to have. It's a journey that we all have to encounter as we go through each and every single day, as we pursue after what God is trying to do. Because what our hearts are is the thing that we have to align with God. Because only then can God take away the fleshly limits of each and every one of our lives. You're like, Pastor, you set a limit. No. I set our fleshly limits. Let me tell you. I stand here today only because of God's grace. You're here today honestly because of what God has blessed you with. He's blessed you with a car. He's blessed you with time. He's blessed you with this thing called gas that cost a fortune. And he's blessed you with the ability to drive. What are you using it for? I tell my wife every single day, I get up, I can use my legs, I'm blessed. Those are my fleshly limits. You don't realize it. When I was in the army, I, I had a, an incident 
where I damaged my spine. Got a lot of pinched nerves, I got a lot of slipped disc. There's been a couple times where I've lost complete filling in my legs. There's been a lot of times where God has shown me that I could be totally different lifestyle than what I am. But it's His grace that allows me to get up and not be in pain. Yeah, there are days that pain kicks in. But there are days that, 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 that I get to walk, get up and I get to stand on the stage and I don't have to hurt anymore. Because God's on me. Because He's taking the fleshly limits off of me. Can I just say... If you've been walking in pain and stuff like that, I'm not saying that this is only the way that works. Sometimes God lets you go through various trials to point you back to him. He might let you deal with some issues and some hiccups in your life. But guess what? It's only to make you stronger on this, or not this side of heaven sometimes, but on that side. But there are days that we take for granted the things that God's given us. And those are the fleshly limits that we hold back. And what God wants to do for each and every one of us is to remove those fleshly limits and get us to where we can walk wholeheartedly for everything. Philippians 2 and 13 reminds us, as Paul was telling the Philippian church, he says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. I don't know who needs to hear this. The only way a church can be good and giving is if God's in it. If God's in you. If God's moving through you. You see, I've seen a lot of people play the religious church. And they've played it to a T. And they've thought they've had it right. But they were doing it for the wrong reasons because they thought they could line their pocketbooks or for something different. Or that they could make influence with other people. But what I have come to say is if God's not in it, you got limits. But what I've seen that God has been doing in our lives, each and every one of us, as we've been talking it out and we've been interacting with each and every one of you, He is taking you beyond your limits and stretching you to make you greater. Because I don't know what God's got up ahead, but I know the dreams that he's given me. And they're great dreams of awesome things that will come through. And what I've learned is that when God starts speaking, things will change and things will happen. But you have to be willing to submit and check your heart and say, God, stretch me, use me, do what you need me to do. Because only then and ultimately then can you ever ultimately fully surrender your heart and emulate God's. I didn't say he was going to give you his heart. I said emulate. Because ultimately what the church needs to do to be anything that he's called us to be is to start turning these pages. If you've been in the Bible plan, you're halfway through the year. Or you will be. And praying. And asking God to break your heart for what breaks his. Asking his heartbeat to be the thing that beats within you in the same succinct rhythm that you need to have. Because I can tell you right now, the journey is hard. The church is great. But if his people are not in tune with the proper heart, with the proper intentions and everything that they do, 
just close the doors. Let somebody else take it over. Let somebody else do it that God will call. Can you imagine a world where people in the Bible that you read about looked at him and says, God, I'm good. Go to the next guy. Can I say God will go to the next guy? But I'm thankful that each and every person that we read about in the Bible that says that they took up the call said, yes, Lord. Hebrews 11 reminds us of the men and women of faith that we need to hold on to. And I think it's time for the church to do the same thing. I think it's time for us to look at the words on the screens that say the giving church and not look at it with some disdain, but look at it with a challenge within each and every one of our lives that say, God, what is it that you want me to do today? Because let me tell you, the building's great, but you're the church. The building's awesome. It means the needs that we have, and it allows us to reach the community. But if you're not willing to be here, what's the point? See, I want to challenge somebody this morning because what I keep feeling in my spirit that I wrote down like crazy was this confliction within us. Because we either can have the heart of Jesus like in in John chapter 13 where he's getting ready to give the New Testament to the disciples and dispersing the food and the bread and talking about the promises and washing the saints' feet. But there's two different hearts that are beating in that room. No, you mean there's two? Yeah, there's only two real beats that are going. You had the disciples tied up with Jesus. And then in it, you can find in verse, I, I don't even, verse 2, it says, During the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Jesus is a cart, Simon's son, to betray him. You have Jesus' heartbeat that says, I want to give it all. And then you have Judas is saying, I want it for me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give it all so that everybody can be saved because I love every single one of you. And Judas is saying, I just want the 30 pieces of silver. Oh, that's going to look good on my mantle. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to get this. And I think that's the same time that's what happens in our lives. We choose which heart to beat for. I'm not asking for anything from you. I'm asking, or actually I should rephrase it. I am asking one thing of you. Seek him with all that you have and ask him, what is it that you require of me today? And let him be the one that empowers you and encourages you through each and every step. Let me tell you, if I wouldn't have had that same heart, I wouldn't have wrote a $450 check. I didn't know what God had in store for me. And there's going to be times in your life where God is going to say, I want you to do some crazy stuff. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And if you're willing to do it, you'll see the blessing on the back end. Because he does not forsake those who he loves. But what he says is, I will bless you with whatever I need you to have. He's got it all. He's got the ability. But what he's looking for is the heart condition to become right. So today, if you'll stand with me this morning. I want to ask, which heart is beating in your chest this morning? 
Because it's all there's ever been because it's always been God versus evil. It's always been God versus Satan because he wanted to be like God and that's caused the dysfunction. And what, he's at, what I'm asking this morning is, which one is it in you? Has Satan slipped his heart in your, your, your uh, whatever rhythm that is in there? Or is it God's heart beating within you in succinct rhythm? Is it one that says I'll give or is it one that says I'll take? Is it one that says I'll serve or is it one that says I'll be served? Is it one that says, God, I'm all in, or God that says, I'm only partially in? Because those are the decisions that matter the most this morning. I don't know why I feel that so strongly this morning, this Amy. But what I feel is God's saying is, if you'll put your heart in everything I have, or you have, in trusting me, you won't be disappointed. No, it might not all go like you want it to. Lord knows, I can attest to that. If you ever want to ask that question, I'll tell you every bad decision thing that ever happened to me after I said yes, but I'll also tell you every good thing that God did on the back end of everything because it didn't work the way I wanted it to, but God showed me even greater purposes beyond it because I said, God, I'm on it. So if, that's, if everybody will bow their heads this morning and close their eyes, I just want to ask, is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning that wants to say, Lord, I need to sacrifice my life to you. I want your heartbeat. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. Got one. Is there anybody else this morning? If that's you online this morning, I just want to encourage you, reach out to us because what we're getting ready to do is we're going to say a prayer. And can I just say this prayer means absolutely nothing if you do not want the heart to beat in the proper rhythm. So church, if you'll say it with me, dear Lord Jesus, I need a heart check. I need you to come in and fix me. Make it beat in your heart. Succinct rhythm. Because I know that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. Meaning that my heart could beat alive again. Because I'm trusting you in this very moment. Today I'm all in. You're the Lord of my life. And I trust you with eternity. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we just give a round of applause? Now I want to ask this one question I don't have it written on my notes Honestly, I've not been on my notes most of this whole sermon What is it that you've been holding back? What is it that you've been holding back Thinking that you could calculate better than God? Because I want to tell you right now if God has it all, why do you hold it back? I think each and every one of us need to say a prayer like we're going to do at the end every single day. God, check me. God, what am I holding back? God, make me be your vessel. God, use me. God, do these things. Because only then can we see his power manifest within us. Because God doesn't want a half-used vessel. God doesn't want you to be half in and half out. God does not like lukewarm Christians, is what the word says. He wants you to be either hot or cold. But I think it's time for the church to get a little hot. Because then we can see the Holy Spirit fire start kicking up. Because we can see the coal start rumbling up and a flame start picking up. And we'll start seeing lost loved ones come back. I don't know. I don't mean to prophesy a little bit. But I truly believe that Youngstown is not a dying city anymore. 
It's just waiting for the revival to kick in as the people of God will stop looking to their own interests and start looking to Him. But that comes through the heart check every morning. So let's say it with me this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for every single person in this place. I thank you for their hearts, Lord, their minds, their attention, everyone that's heard this sermon. God, I ask that you empower each and every one of them to walk obediently, Lord. But God, I also ask that you ask that you just move into their lips, Lord, and encourage them to ask every single morning, Lord, God, how can I be used? God, what is it that I'm holding back? God, I don't want to rob you. God, what can I give to you today that's even greater than I did before? Because God, what I've learned is that all in is all awesome. And God, they need to see that power too. So Lord, I ask that you just empower them, Lord, using your Holy Spirit, Lord, every single day to wake them up and remind them, pray. Wake them up and ask them, Lord, what is it that I need to do? Keep reminding them to wake up and keep going each and every day as they surrender their lives wholeheartedly to you with everything that they have. But God, just touch their hearts, Lord, and make them beat in full rhythm with you every single moment, Lord. Letting them be open vessels that are being willing to be filled out or filled up to be ultimately poured back out to keep getting the constant refill so they don't become stagnant. God, touch us all in this place. Be with us, Lord, as we get ready to depart, Lord, and touch us throughout the week, Lord. Lord, let the church be the church to the world as we love God and love people with everything that we have. And let us be the difference in the lost and dying world, Lord, so that they could see hope yet again. God, be with us this week and protect us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, church, go and love God, love people. And I'll see you guys hopefully next week as long as the Lord tarries.